Did you know that diet and exercise can have a direct effect on your financial health? Diets, budgets, financial planning, fitness routines. There are so many similarities between your physical health and your financial health. That's why today, as part of our ongoing series brought to you by Capital One on financial well-being, we're interviewing Matt Boyles, author of The Fitter, Confident Universe, about how fitness can be more inclusive of more people of backgrounds, shades, size, colors, sexual orientations, and genders. Matt is a gay virtual personal trainer from England who helps the G's, the B's, the T's, and the Q guys get strong, love who they are, and feel 20 years younger. Sign me up. <laughs> You're listening to Crim Money Podcast, episode number 410. And today we're coupling finance and fitness. Hang on to the very end to hear how you might be able to win a free copy of Matt's book, The Fitter Confident Universe. Now on with the show. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Queer Money Podcast. You've heard the expression, health is wealth. And for a lot of people, that's a maybe an innocuous or kind of vague understanding of what that really means. And so, you know, we are also carrying throughout the year this whole idea of financial wellness as one of our themes. So in order to try to bring those two together, understanding financial wellness as well as your health equals wealth, we have brought or invited Matt on the show to share with us some things that he's doing with the clients that he works with to prove that health is wealth. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Matt. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have this discussion. We read your book, like I said, going back and forth and visiting my family in Pennsylvania the other week. And it was very inspiring. And what David just mentioned it to you, but I'll share with the audience. One of the best parts about your book is not only do you have you know your prescription and your 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 theories on on fitness and well being, but you also include clients that you've worked with and their stories, which makes it you know a little bit more personable and and real. I think for people, yeah. And I'll also add that we have you you do talk about this in the book as well, especially I think for gay men, we have a little bit of a body dysmorphia going on with the way that we think we have to look. Right? It's it's almost, for many gay men, it is almost mirroring what we see happening with a lot of young women. So let's dive into this conversation, but let's start off with your approach. So what's the FCY approach to health and fitness? <laughs> oh, well, thanks for asking. So FCY stands for Fitter Confident You. So fun fact, actually, I started as a more traditional face-to-face trainer, and I was just called Fitter You then. And then about six years ago, when I'd seen some other online trainers take off, and I thought, I think I can do that, but I think I can do it a bit better, obviously. And also, I think I can niche, because back then I wasn't, I was working with everyone, thinking, oh, you know, if you work with anyone, you can work with everyone. Not true. You fall through the cracks because people don't know who you speak for, who you understand, who you can really deeply help. And so it was when about six years ago, I put my flag in the sand and said, <laughs> I am going to support my amazing LGBTQ plus community because I'd had a revelation that fitness had changed my life. 
that I'd found my voice, my confidence, my boundaries. Heck, I even set up a fitness company. And I realized there were guys, people, us in this in my shoes who wanted or were interested in what fitness could do for them, but just were didn't know how to get started and were often put off by the fitness industry or from previous experiences growing up, both of which resonated a lot with me, as you will have come across in the book. So making it fit a confident you meant that I could bring other elements into what I do. So mindset work, community, empathy, extra levels of support beyond just cheering people on in the park. And I was a great face-to-face trainer, but I'm a got to say this, I'm a really good online trainer just because I... I, I didn't stay in one prescriptive way of doing fitness. I allowed myself to, well, I'm always, I love learning and reading and like inter- interacting and listening to amazing podcasts like you guys as well, knowing that, realizing that I don't have all the answers. So actually who else can I work with? What what outside experts can I bring in to help me, but also to pass that on and to ensure that my clients and the amazing Fitter Confident universe, I should say community, benefits just as much. So yes, Fitter Confident You is about doing fitness a bit differently, making it fun, accessible, inclusive, because I didn't feel included in fitness and sport growing up. And I certainly didn't see it even up to 10, five years ago in the fitness industry. It felt like a boys club that was really serious and exclusive. And Mm. I'm not a serious and exclusive kind of guy. (laughs) I'm all about making it fun and making it, like I said, accessible. And if I, of course, why would I want to be involved with something that when I didn't see myself represented? Mm -hmm. So this is what I'm reaching out to people in our community and saying, it doesn't have to be done how you think it has to be done. There are so many other ways. And the more you do it on your terms, the more it's going to stick. And that's when the magic happens. And that's kind of what we're here for, a bit of magic. I love yeah. that. You know, you're right. When you think about the fitness industry, it is a very binary kind of feeling. There's this hyper-masculinity and then there's Kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, there is a hyper femininity to to the way in which you are supposed to work out and the kinds of instructors or coaches or individuals out there who the trainers are out there. And sometimes you feel like I don't identify with either one of those. And I love that. That's that's where we we have this whole spectrum, right? We need this whole spectrum. And so it's, it's great that you've you've gone down this this path and and the conversations and the things that you talk about in your book are are definitely really important to that. In your book, which by the way, folks, is The Fitter Confident Universe, which we will be giving away a copy of the book. So make sure you stay tuned to the end of the show to learn how you can get a copy of the book. But in there, you say that you want your clients to start off with baby steps. So when working with you, what does that mean? How is that done? Well, It's going to be different for everyone because everything is personalized. And the more we can personalize and really tailor each client's experience to their situation, previous experience goals, the better. But the reason that I'm such a big fan of baby steps is that you can always do them and they'll always keep you moving forward in some regard, but they're never off-putting. So for a typical client, it might be starting them with just one element. So of course, there's things like workouts, there's nutrition, there's yoga, there's mindset, there's the community, there's the check-in calls. Like, let's not overwhelm people. Clients who come to me, they're busy enough. Everyone is. We've got friends, family, relationships, hobbies. I think that covers everything, but you know Work, Work. sorry, work. I forget that W thing. But so there, everyone is busy enough. This is where people so often go wrong. They're so busy and then they try to change everything at once and cram 
every new thing, every new possible thing into their week. And they just don't have the time, physical time or the headspace for it. So as opposed to going, right, I'm going to start my fitness regime on Monday. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. I'm going to journal. Then I'm going to meditate. I'm going to have six gallons of water. I'm going to go for a six mile run. Like, obviously, (laughs) that's extreme. But people do that. They say everything has to change with me. Let's change one thing. We're human. We're busy enough. We're not very good at multitasking. (laughs) One thing, let get comfortable with that. And that might happen in a few days because people are excited. So they get into the workouts quite quickly. I'm like, okay, things are moving. Let's give you a bit of the the nutrition coaching and just let that start to bed in. So I always say one of the best things that helps people is breathing space. Like there isn't a, a, a deadline when this has to be perfected by it. It's just you doing good stuff for you on your terms. And that's when it works. Exactly. It's peaceful. It's so, uh, (laughs) it can be. Yeah. It's so apparent, right? Especially the first couple of weeks of January when we see people do this, right? It's the hard push. I'm going to get into the gym and I'm going to work out and I'm going to, you know, again, hyper masculine. But then day two, your whole body is so sore that the only, (laughs) you can barely sit down on a toilet, especially if you've done a legs day, you're like, oh my word. But you drank six gallons of water. So all you can do is sit on the toilet because you have to pee all day. (laughs) (laughs) It's a downward spiral. (laughs) Right. And, and, And that's what really causes a lot of people to give up, right? They push really hard and they give up. And that's, I think that kind of aligns with the way we made changes in our lives for our finances and paying our debt off. We knew that we couldn't go cold turkey and not do anything social. We knew we had to cut down our social spending, but if we went cold turkey, we knew it would last for a week or two, and then we would be back out there. We didn't stop buying wine, people. <laughs> or doing the happy hours or doing things with friends. We just found a, a way to do it progressively. So, yeah. Exactly. And so I never ask any clients to give up any of their favorite foods, even though that's a common like myth that people go, oh, well, I can't have pizza or wine or ice cream or do or go for dinner. Like... There will always be pizza and wine and going for dinner and birthdays and Christmas and vacations and everything. Learn to work with it and roll with your human nature as opposed to fighting it and trying to keep it out of sight, out of mind. It doesn't work, but that isn't sustainable. And I'm all about making it a sustainable lifestyle change. That's wonderful. Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ plus community through access to credit, tools to manage debt, and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. So a great transition to make here is that several studies have shown over the, since the pandemic that a lot of people simply feel stuck. And they've tried several times to recharge and get back to normal if if they if, if that's a goal of theirs or get something back to something a little bit more productive or that looks a little bit like it used to in the days of yore. What are your tips for helping people get out of being stuck, especially if it seems like it's a relatively new phenomenon for them that's just in the last two or three years? Yeah, good question as well. And you're right, this is affecting so many people. I really think the number one thing that helps people is other people. We're a sociable species. We are designed to be around and be inspired and supported and motivated by each other. But so Mm -hmm. many people, especially in fitness, have this weird twisted belief that they have to go it alone or prove they can do it by themselves. And that's probably in finance as well. Prove I can get out of debt myself. No, it's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. So I've been building this big community and I'm so proud of it because it's built on 
support, encouragement, motivation. It's nothing to do with, I say community, it's a Facebook group, but it's not like topless selfies aren't allowed, even though it's gay, bi, trans, queer guys. And uh, well, when I first started it, I didn't have that rule in place. And it sort of, it wasn't, when people were posting that, I realized it wasn't as welcoming as it could be. So mm-hmm. this is a community where appearance is, isn't even on the list. Appearance and how you look isn't even considered. It's about who you are, what you do, and how you help others, and 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 also how, what the support you can get from it too. But that goes back to how people get unstuck or out of a rut. Mm-hmm. Drag a friend to the gym. Like, set up a group at work of people who are in the same situation who want to do something. Find an online group. Reach out to a trainer. It's okay to ask for help. And I think, I know as well, specifically about lockdown and the pandemic, it did make all of us, I think, more insular. Like we found it harder to reach out, harder to ask for help, but we're all in the same boat. And actually people like helping other people. Mm-hmm. So being able to be there for other people is just as inspiring for your own journey. So being open to helping people and also being open to reaching out and saying, hey, I'm struggling, like maybe we could do this together. It's just a lovely way. And once you've got either friend, online group, colleague, hobby, a husband, all of the, any of the above, then use baby steps. And actually, I do know there's a step in between that. Come up with a really simple plan. It doesn't need to be an eight-page pivot table Excel spreadsheet that cross-references to subsection 6.D2. Are you a fan? I swear. Well, I'm, not, I'm nudging for, for folks who are listening and not watching. I'm I'm nudging John right now because we have we have had this discussion several times over the last couple of years of <laughs> When we kick our routine back into gear, it's we're going to go to the gym six days a week. We're going to do do yoga several days a week. We're going to try to train for a half marathon. And so I I get I'm hearing you loud and clear, and I'm hoping that my husband is too. I get what you're both saying. And I totally buy into what Matt's saying. I totally buy into that. And I think you're 100 percent right. People do this with finance as much as they do it with fitness. But the problem, one of the problems that David and I have, and maybe this is something you've experienced, is that we can stay in that baby step mode well beyond its, its expire date, right? So we've we're, we've plateaued. We're not improving, seeing the progress that we would like to see. And when it's time to ramp up, we never actually ramp up. And before we ramp up, we typically fall off the wagon and then it's a downward spiral. And then we have to start all up again. So that question I, really was for David and me. How the hell do we stop being so damn stuck? <laughs> Can I give you another tip as well? This yeah, is very no, yeah. That's why you're here. Okay, great. This is as much as about our audience as it is about us, right? <laughs> One of the things we love about our podcast is we get to learn. We yeah. learn so much because Amazing. of all the people that we are able to connect with. So we're learning from you on this. Yeah. Please teach. <laughs> Amazing. So you said a word beginning with W that I have an issue. We're not an issue with. I just don't think it's relevant. So you said it and everyone says it. Oh, I fell off the wagon or, oh, oh, I'm, oh, I'm on holiday. Go on holiday in four weeks. I've got to get on the wagon. What is this mythical wagon? Like personally, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to blow your mind. I don't think there is a wagon. I think there's you doing good stuff for you when you can. Sometimes we can do more and sometimes a little bit less. Sometimes we're even pausing, but it never stops. And as soon as you pick it up again, this this is a common misconception as well. Like you just said as well, John. Oh, it stopped. Oh, we haven't, we've fallen off. We have to go right back to the start. No, just pick it up again. Baby steps, yes. And it will all start working again because anything good you do for yourself is something good you've done for yourself. And sometimes 
that is when reaching out to a professional can help because they can see, okay, well, you got to here before, let's tweak it and give you this and make it more interesting, variety and fun. And then you'll be more likely to be able to keep it going. Or at least if things slow down and you're super busy again, remove any guilt or shame. So you don't feel when you're pausing and you just get those wheels turning when you can. Yeah. So I guess what I'm hearing from you is we talk about our money stories a lot on this podcast, the narrative that we all have in our head about finance and what we're worth and all that garbage. But it sounds like there's a fitness story that a lot of us have in our heads, right? Especially, I would argue for gay men and probably for for straight women, there is this ideal archetype of what we're all supposed to look like, right? We should all look like Christian Ronaldo. My husband does. (laughs) (laughs) Or we're failing, right? It's because because unless we have the God bod, right, then then we're not worthy in our community. And I think women... And probably other demographics have the same challenge too. Unless we're mm. young and beautiful, we're suddenly worthless. And so I think that's sort of what a lot of people peg their their fitness to is that I've got to look a certain way so that I can mm. be accepted and and you know down the road eventually loved. Absolutely, and I hear this day in day out as well. So this is also why you might have seen, but in my marketing and content and everything I put out there, I never talk about appearance as a reason to start doing some fitness. Because it becomes so obsessive, it's not for everyone, but for a lot of people. And it, it's one of the slowest things to change. That's the thing. So I'm always about encouraging people to take a step back and see all the other amazing ways they're benefiting. Because when people go tunnel vision on, oh, why why don't I have a six pack yet? Or, oh, the scales as well. Like, oh, the numbers are so slow. Oh, they're fluctuating. It just puts people off and it makes it seem like a chore, makes it seem like something that they have to do. And why would you stick at something that was like, and well, the other thing is they're doing it to fit in. They're doing mm-hmm. it to conform or be accepted. And again, all of these are really negative, unpleasant reasons to stick at something. You just wouldn't. So people might begrudgingly do it. They might last six months a year, but it isn't going to be a lifetime of happy, joyous, uplifting fitness with all the trillions of benefits that actually come, like sleeping better, higher sex drive, better skin, running faster, make, making friends, finding getting me time in your head away from work because you finally enjoy exercise. Like I could list a thousand of those and none well, of them all I heard to do with better appearance. sex anyway. So it doesn't matter. There you go. Tip. <laughs> and the thing is though, here's the sort of dichotomy of it. When you stop focusing on her appearance and enjoy all the other things, your appearance will change because double negative, it can't not because in the work, but then it becomes less important. And the other thing I always say is, and this is controversial, I think your body is the least interesting thing about you. There, I said it. Because we've all got <laughs> one. And they all essentially can do the same thing. It's what you what you have in here and up here and what you do and who you are. That's what makes you an amazing, beautiful, interesting person. Not that you've got a body. Yeah. Everyone's got one. Exactly. It, it's, it is kind of similar to money in that a lot of times we ask the question, how much will be enough? Right. And people push and push and push and push. They want you get to a million. Now you want two million. Then you want 10 million. Then you want 100 million. Right. And we see these we've seen this happen with the Mm -hmm. people over in the money spectrum. But then the kind of the same thing can happen with your body. Right. You get to this. If you're just focusing on the outward appearance, you get to a certain level and then you pivot to looking at somebody who looks just a little bit better and say, well, then I'm going to chase towards that. You get to that and then you pivot and now you're chasing after this person. And to be honest, maybe that's why we sometimes see some of these rather 
I don't necessarily want to use the word grotesque, but just abnormal looking bodies because they have pushed themselves to a point where they can't please themselves with the way that they are working out with fitness or plastic surgery or any of those kinds of ways of modifying the way we look. Yeah. Body dysmorphia is real and it is a serious thing, that, a serious condition that affects a lot of people. And it does exactly link to what you're saying in terms of money. And the other part of that as well, I guess, is spending as well to prove to fit in as well. So that's mm -hmm. obviously a big reason why people get into debt. And this is all like a muddy pit of trying to prove yourself to, to the outside world. Whereas the more you can bring it into you to get your own approval, the happier you are. And the more you don't need to spend to impress other people, you don't need to work out to impress other people. You do it for you because it feels good. And that, quite frankly, that's enough. Yeah. Definitely. I guess one of our questions was going to be, what do you mean by using a kinder way to motivate yourself? But I think I'm hearing it in, in the way you're talking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Much more forgivable and expansive than I think what most of us are used to experiencing on the money side as well as the fitness side. Yeah, it's totally yeah. that. And we kind of have been trained to, I think, especially as queer folks, we've been trained to self-judge for such a long time in our lives. From growing up and knowing that we're different to entering the and get, get, becoming out and being a part of the queer community and being judged by folks within the queer community because we don't fit into the box that the queer community needs you to fit into to be accepted, whatever part mm -hmm. of the queer community you are at. That we can do the exact same thing. We get into this the space of I'm going to judge myself for not doing it right or not doing it the right way, and that's yeah. just there's you, you'll never win if you keep up that self judgment. No, and I, I can totally empathize and understand where it comes from from years of being told even just in the media that you're set you're a second class citizen and growing up even if you've got the best family and love and friends network and all of amazing support you're still going to come across that at any age and especially when like for me growing up in the 80s in the UK gay men as it was but it was you didn't see any other other letters on TV but the gay men were either predators or really camp game show hosts so mm -hmm. me growing up and knowing that I was I'm different. Why do I feel different? Why do I want to play with the girls and not play rugby? Like all of these like classic things, but that was my, literally my journey. And then feeling left out of PE and sport and like starting to internalize that maybe I'm not as good as other people because that's what you see in the press and that's what you see on TV. And then you hear people talking about it and you sort of, you know, your own worth to a certain extent, but growing up as a child, as a teenager, when you're hearing these things, of course, it's going to have an, it's going to undermine you, your self-confidence, your self-esteem. So it's no wonder that we can often deprioritize ourselves in terms of, or at least think the only way can, we can prioritize our health, fitness, wealth is by doing it for other people to go back up in their eyes, in their estimation. And it's so sad. And this is why, like, a building a really safe, secure community has been was really important to me. Also, why working with my community. It's shorthand. When you work with, a, if you're gay and you work with a gay trainer or bi and with a bi trainer or just someone who gets you in your community, it's a safe understanding that you don't need to come out because I get you. You don't need to, if you say partner, I'm not going to say, oh, your wife. Like, <laughs> I'm like, it might be a wife. That's up to you. But I have that knowledge and that innate empathy that mm. you don't need to come out. You are safe with me. And that's why. That's why I'm so grateful that it does work so well. And I reach and get to support so many amazing clients all around the world. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to take, based on what we were just talking about there and what you're saying, I'm going to take a slight detour off 
what we were normally going to talk about. But I, I'm curious about, you mentioned the 80s and gay men. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on the impact the HIV and AIDS crisis had on gay men feeling like they needed to look a certain way so as to not be judged or look sickly. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, I think that is what is still happening now in our community is still a sort of a hangover of that effect of what as well of proving your a as we touched on a few times hyper masculine like straight acting but also huge and fit although maybe not be healthy but like the more you can go to these extremes to to sort of show the outside world how strong and fit you are well their shorthand is oh well he couldn't possibly be ill in any way right. mm -hmm. look at how he looks there and growing up as well as a child i didn't read everything in detail of what was going on, but it still informed me as I was growing up. And as certainly into my teens and my early twenties, like I too internalized this desire, this fear that I had to present to the world in this super straight way, in this super masculine way that I was straight, you know, straight acting and I was, I was gay, but I wasn't that gay. I would like, and I really hate that I thought like that and that I felt that was the, the only way for me to be. And thankfully I've come through that and I'm delighted to be gay, queer, the best ally to my trans siblings, like the biggest supporter of my community. And like speaking honestly, it does take quite a bit of courage to put myself out there continually mm -hmm. to like stand up as you guys have done exactly the same in to do with finance as well. And like building community and saying, we are going to help people. We're going to show people the way that it doesn't have to be done, how it's always been done. Mm -hmm. But but equally, my community gives me that strength as well. And people who are taking those baby steps and feeling better and realizing, oh, we can we can feel different. We don't have to do things how the past says it should be done. And also like the stereotypical cliched elements of our community say it should be done. We can right. do it our way. And, and that's when we win. It's when we all win. Yeah, exactly. What we're talking about here, and I think a couple of the things that we've talked about leading up to this have been around the way we think. And it's clear that a lot of us have limiting beliefs and that limiting beliefs are oftentimes the motivator in the things that we do in our lives that actually end up harming or hurting us or maybe taking us into a, a, in a direction that we know doesn't align with our values. One of the things that you mentioned in, that you mentioned in your book around limiting beliefs has to do with this whole idea of well, I'm just getting older, and so my <laughs> metabolism is slowing down. For guys who are in your 40s and 50s, <laughs> I think this is a very common thing, right? Like, okay, it's just it's time for me to turn into the bear. Not that I'm judging <laughs> bears. Love a bear, but, right? But I think that there's we we all we kind of come up with this idea of well, this is the point in my life where I it's okay for me to give up because I have to work two, five, 10 times harder because my metabolism is different. And mm. you kind of say that's a bunch of bullshit. I do. <laughs> so the, the metabolism thing as well, I've had clients come to me in their twenties and go, Oh, you know, I'm 26 now. My metabolism, it's not what it was. <laughs> oh, I'm 26 like, again. <laughs> seriously, <I> wish. <laughs> take a seat, Barbara. Um, <laughs> but it's not their fault. This has been pervasively deployed this myth uh, and uh, but the thing is as well 
people like it because it gives them an excuse. And I always feel really mean saying that, but like, it's easier if it's out of our control. And I used to buy into this as well about genetics. Oh, well, I'm naturally skinny, so I'll never put on muscle. That isn't true. You can do anything with your body you want. The more you just take it, like I said, slowly and get into a routine you enjoy. And over time, anything you want will happen. But about metabolism. So yes, your metabolism slows down about three times. Once when you're the sort of baby to, to toddlerhood, because like when you're baby, that's the biggest, like most intense amount of growing you ever do. And then from about 18, 19, 20, when you really stop height growing and you become an adult, and then in your 70s or so. Yes, there's a steady decline from 20 to 70, but it's not like dropping off a cliff. Like people go, well, I'm 40 now, time to wear just beige and never lift a weight again. <laughs> so people do that because society tells them that's what older people do. The more you get older, the more you just slow down, you stop. But I've got clients in their 60s putting two fingers up at that and saying, I'm the strongest and fittest I've ever been. And I'm loving life because I'm future proofing myself every day more and more and more. Like we only slow down because we're told that that's what we should do. I say F that. I'm, I'm stop uh, staring at me. David. I'm giving John the side eye because, <laughs> you know, John and I have been together for he's, 20 he's years. Giving now. Me judgment is what he's giving me. It's not side eye. He's being a little bitch. <laughs> no, I'm just reminding you of something that you said was we used to remind me when we were quite a bit younger that when he reaches 50, he's just going to give up. I'm done. I'm <laughs> tired. You know, and, tired of working out. <laughs> and how old okay are you, John? I actually started a little bit earlier than 50. <laughs> how old are you going to be this year, John? I'm going to be 50. <laughs> you wear it well. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So we do have to give ourselves some tough love sometimes when it comes to these limiting beliefs that we have, right? Yes. Yes. And that isn't to say workouts and approaches need, don't need to be adapted somewhat as we get older. Like, it'd be ridiculous for me to give a brand new 68-year-old client the same as I gave the 38-year-old client. But... They can be lifting weights. They can be working out regularly and getting the same benefits, just in a slightly different, say, tailored, modified approach. So, no, aging, I, I and I also say, yes, we get older, but we don't have to get old. And I think that's a big, important mindset shift that we can hold on to there. Yeah. I think especially for the LGBT community, mm-hmm. right, We we are somewhat youth obsessed when it comes to who we put up on pedestals, who we give accolades to in the community, and who we want on the cover of of mm-hmm. our magazines and who we want as the pictures on our websites, we can become youth obsessed. But mm-hmm. let's take this LGBT community step a little further, because we kind of highlighted at the very beginning, you have some strong held beliefs about why it is that LGBT you folks need fitness that is different than the what we generally see provided. What what let's talk about that. So at its core, the the physical elements basically are the same though. And that that's actually where a lot of straight people who see my who might see my adverts definitely always seem to have a problem. Like, oh, why do gay people need like they're always commenting with trolling comments. I don't know why they're seeing them. The, the, the algorithm's messing up. They shouldn't be seeing my adverts. <laughs> saying things like, oh, gay people don't need different workouts. What's wrong with like, anyway, it's a whole, that's a whole viper's nest that I don't even look at because don't read the comments on adverts. You'll just be depressed. <laughs> like if someone wants to work with me, they'll be smart enough to click the link and come through to my website. But it comes down to those other supporting elements I men- mentioned. So 
allowing people the space, the breathing space, the flexibility, the grace to do it on their terms, to feel that they could work out at home, which may not have even been considered as an option before, because gyms, as we know, can feel like hyper-masculinized spaces rife with homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, misogyny. So, of course, why would someone, especially someone newly starting their fitness journey, why would someone feel comfortable there? Answer, they don't have to. I'm comfortable in any gym now, but I do remember walking into gyms and feeling like, oh, this isn't my space. I don't belong here. I don't feel represented. I'm not welcomed. So just saying to people I work with, the community, you don't have to do it like that. This is this is about giving everyone the flexibility to help them see that there's always a path forward and it doesn't have to be the traditional one. So the physical elements are ultimately the same. A body is a body, as I said. And like, obviously, when I work with trans clients, that's slightly different along with the nutrition, depending on assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth. But ultimately, helping people get moving and enjoy the, the, the for finding the joy in movement and helping them slotted into their weeks is, is what I'm really good at. Helping people discover that these baby steps, and I'm going to bang on about them again, are really where it's at. And it isn't about getting you to love fitness as much as I do, but you might give it a chance. But allowing it, like opening the door a crack and letting that light into your life and just seeing, oh, actually, yeah, this, this is unexpected. This is something that is really helping me. Oh, and I made new friends and I found an online community that supports me and I can talk about other issues in, in, like, in a different way. Like it just it sort of just gives people that permission that it's they can do it how it works for them. And like I said, it's a safe space. There's shorthand that no one needs to come out. Everyone knows who we all are within the communities that I've built. And it just makes it just makes it easier because it, it doesn't need to be complicated or stressful, but I know it feels like that from the outside. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I grew up very skinny. I was the one who believed that I could never put the muscle on and it wasn't until I did have a kind of somewhat of a support group, some guys that were gay, some gay friends of mine who we started doing the gym together because we started to feel like, okay, they, we were there for each other, right? And we were focused on each other rather than the meatheads at the gym who are the kinds of guys who we probably called us fags when we were growing up in high school, right? And so mm -hmm. we just needed something to help us feel like it was a little bit more of a safe space. And I definitely changed that. It's kind of gone back to, well, no, I'm not skinny anymore. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you still look like Captain America to me. <laughs> oh, thank Aww. you. <laughs> so what, <laughs> what are there tools or things that we can use? You mentioned one in the book called Streaks. What kind of tools can we use or should we be using to help us maybe with these baby steps or to get rid of some of these limiting beliefs that we have? So Streaks is great. So it's a habit-based app that just you, all you do is program in one habit you want to do every day or, for, or on a different regular basis. And it just reminds you. And it's that human nature of wanting to tick it off and get all your ticks and get the seven ticks at the end of the week that really helps people. A really simple thing that I always recommend is get a reusable water bottle. Now, most people aren't drinking enough water and it's such a simple way to make your body work more efficiently, give you more energy, give you better mental acuity as well. So give you that focus. A lot of people, if they're feeling tired in the afternoon, a large glass of water will sort that out. Another top tip that I always recommend is take a large glass of water to bed, 
obviously, if you drink it in the night, that's fine. But ideally, when you wake up first thing in the morning, make a pact with yourself that you will drink it before you leave the bedroom because that will wake you up so much faster. You've been dehydrating for eight plus hours. Your body is crying out for hydration. Give it some <laughs> and you will honestly wake up and be zingier quicker. So it's a simple thing like that. And if people are struggling to drink a bit more water, my favorite tip of all is put, I haven't got any actually here because oh, I drink enough. Put say, if your water bottle is 500 mils, put five uh, rubber bands on it and every time you finish it move on to the top and the goal is to get all five to the top and then you've drunk two and a half liters well, like simple little yeah simple little hacks like that i hate that word but simple little tips like that that are fun and gamify it as well and that's what the streaks app does, does as well and i'm all about making it fun making it accessible a lot of like i make as well for my clients a wall chart as well with different things they can just tick off some people take it further and, and add, so mine just has say workouts nutrition water and they just tick it off for the first few weeks and it's a great way to embed it and like habits going some clients take it further and, and make their own and tick off like, got to do my daily push-ups, got to go for my walk. Like, And that's great. If that works for you, lean into that. Right, Be right. a spreadsheet ticker. Or I've got a big <laughs> whiteboard up here where I put, I plan my week, but I also have like all the other things that are, say, new habits I'm trying to get ingrained. That, and again, that actually, this is really important. Visual cues. Like it, my whiteboard is literally there. I, whatever I put an eye line, I see all day, every day. It can't not go in. So that's really powerful. And actually another one as well. My final top tip. If you're trying to get something like daily push-ups, daily squats going, that's such a good thing. Only like 15 or 20 a day, you'll be surprised at how much of a difference that can make. But you're struggling to remember or get them done. Get a post-it note and write push-ups or squats or both on it and put it in your sock drawer. You're going to open your sock drawer every single morning. And when you see that push post-it note, oh, okay, I'll just do my 15 push-ups, then I'll put my socks on. Habit, act those habits, and it will become ingrained quicker. I yeah, love that. That's true. Yeah. I was going to say, don't put it in the underwear drawer because sometimes we don't wear underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone wears underwear every single day. <laughs> One of the things that I loved in your book, and this kind of goes back to this idea of health equals wealth. You shared a story of one of your clients who was, I guess, maybe the typical overachiever, working super hard, trying to prove to everybody that he was doing everything right. And in that process was actually doing a disservice to his body. So how is it that the way we take care of our bodies has an impact on our finances. And maybe tell us a little bit more about the story of the person that you worked with who ended up leaving this high pressure job and reinventing his life. It's kind of what we touched on earlier, that it's all intertwined. And I think it comes down to trying to prove yourself, like staying in a high pressure job that's almost killing you, but is always well paid. And there's the status of that as well. You've got to prove that you're this guy who can hold down this job and you can go out every night and you can do all these things and, and, and like everything of, the, of that. And in his situation as well, so much of it was built around looking for respect, permission from other people as well. I have to be that guy. I have to maintain that role. I have to, there's no other way to do it. This is the only way. And obviously he was heading to burnout as so many people are because right. they can't see any other way. They're trapped on either the hamster wheel or they've got the head in the sand about this is the only thing I can do. I can't possibly consider another way forward. And sadly, sometimes it does take people to reach burnout or, or rock bottom or whatever you want to say. Hopefully the book will inspire people to show that 
like anything you can do is going to just help you one, like start with one degree difference of what you're doing at the moment to help you see doesn't need to be done that way. You don't need to prove anything to anyone, I guess, ultimately yourself. But beyond that, you, there's no one to prove anything to because you're going to, people will get to, they'll lose 20 years working and go, they'll wake up at 60 and go, what did I just do? I could have been having fun. I could have been on a beach in Rio. What? Right. Why was I working in finance? Like these things. Sorry, that wasn't a dogging on finance. But you know what? That's traditionally an industry where people right. are pushed to the limits, but they stay yeah. because of the status and the and the wages. Yeah. Right. I used to work in marketing. And so I and I was never, I was did all right. And I, I wasn't like a super high powered VP or whatever. But I by me doing what I do now, it showed that there is always another route to finding something that lights you up. And like I said, it's not for everyone to start fitness companies, but please go for it. I love seeing people help other people, but you don't need to be trapped in corporate if that is bringing you down. And some people do thrive on it. And that's cool. Like find what lifts you up, find what lights you up. And as you can complement that with a bit of fitness, because I promise it's only going to help you. And this actually, that is another thing that he was struggling with. He believe taking time for himself other than work and a few other things was selfish. Mm -hmm. When the opposite is true, it's crucial. The stronger, fitter, healthier, happier, more confident you are, the stronger, fitter, healthier, happier, more confident you're going to be for everyone else in your life. You'll be able to right. show up in their lives more. Be there for them when they need you more. Be a better boss, employee, manager, brother, lover, father, son, all of the above. That's what taking just these baby steps to finding what works for you. And it might be 10 minutes, three times a week is all you can possibly carve out at first. And that's cool, but you've done it. And then you'll start to see that, oh, maybe I do could do 15 minutes. Oh, maybe I could do 10 minutes, four times a week. Like let it evolve organically, but give yourself that grace. Give yourself that chance because it will only pay you back. Yeah. I think we talk about the analogy of making sure that your cup is full before you start giving out to others. You're applying this to our level of fitness. Unless we're taking care of ourselves in our in our level of fitness, we don't have the energy, the mental acuity, the space, the patience, all that to sort of really be able to serve, whether that's other people, the corporation we're working for, helping our boss or our company, whatever the case may be. You've got to mm -hmm. take care of yourself. Otherwise, everything else is going to be, you know, you're going to be giving 50% at most. Absolutely. And on a practical note, you'll be ill less. You'll have a stronger immune system. So you literally will be able to do more of what you love for longer and be better at it. Like exactly. there, there are no downsides to this. <laughs> and that ties directly to the financial side, right? You're not as sick as often. You don't have to take sick days. You don't have to go to yeah. the doctors. You don't have to you know, use your HSA all the time. There's a lot of options for you to be able to manage your money, both from the fitness perspective, as well as the financial perspective. Yeah. Definitely. Well, this is a conversation I know we could go on and on and on and on about. There's a lot of great points you've covered. <laughs> and we, a great book. There's even more in your Thank book. You. And so definitely, folks, stick around. We'll talk about how you could possibly get a copy of the book. But Matt, how can folks in our community connect with you if they want to take their fitness journey to a different level than where it's at right now? Oh, well, thank you. If you had to fitteru.net. That's my main website, sort of brand website with all the info about me and clients and how it works and different options, different plans, just to, you can get a full, fuller, I was going to say taste. No, not a taste of what I do. I guess it is. Go to my website and you'll be able to <laughs> find all the lovely ways you can work together with me and some other lovely things, including info on the book as well and my retreat as well, which is exciting. 
and that's fitteru.net. And then awesome. over on socials, it's fitteruglobal on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Nice. Very yeah, cool. and that's that's where we connected with you first was on Twitter, and definitely you share a lot of information on what you're learning and what you're doing with your clients. So we appreciate that. So folks, go ahead and and check out Matt's website. Thank you for joining us today, Matt. Thank you so, so much. It's been brilliant. I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you, Matt, for an informative interview. We love your baby steps. We're going to try to put them into place ourselves. Thank you, our listeners and viewers, for joining us for another episode. Here's your Queer Money Takeaway. Get Matt's book, The Fitter Confident Universe. For a chance to win a copy of his book, you know what you got to do. You got to be on our email list. Do it already. You can do so in the show notes of your podcast player or the description in this YouTube video. Then join us this Thursday when we talk about the most affordable LGBTQ plus friendly city to live in Oklahoma. And then next Tuesday, when we talk about why you don't actually need a budget with personal finance author and writer Dana Miranda. Thank Oklahoma. You and have a great week. <laughs>